Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. I've got a deeper love, a deeper love, a deeper love inside. And I call it pride, a deeper love, a deeper love, a deeper love.
Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Recovery Corner. I am your host, Tanya Wilson, also known as Authoress Tanya Wilson, author of the book, The Time is Now. The Recovery Corner is proudly brought to you by the Literary Corner. We also provide a diverse platform to bring awareness to socioeconomic issues within our community. Christian values, promotion of small businesses, and support of nonprofit organizations. Our partnering NLP, the Theodore House, provides invaluable services for people who suffer with addictions, mental health, homelessness, and HIV. For more information, please contact Ms. Tamika Randall at www. Theodorehouse.org. And we will be right back after this quick commercial break. So, right in the building, House of Stone by Coco. I'm going to show you. She's going to show you. We're going to show you how we do this, huh? What? Yo, this bling be the illest. Coco House of Stone got a feeling. Step up in the room. Royal like a queen. Rockin' House of Stone, girl, you know you reign supreme. Red carpet jewels, finest of quality. Necklace so reckless. I know you've seen the rosary designer for celebrity. Pieces on the runway. Tracy Lynn was so back when you gotta grow up someday. Big girl accessories, always on fleek. Not the average, but the baddest chick. The ones who like to be unique. We don't follow the crowd. We set the trends. Other fashions bow down. House of Stone will never be. My bad, with this commercial interrupt, I'm just trying to be your friend, help you step your game up. When you put on House of Stone, get ready for your close-up. Trendsetters, go get his lady, didn't know. House of Stone stands alone, I just thought I'd let you know. I think I said too much, you need to catch your breath, nobody does it better. Yo, House of Stone is the best, this is the soul writer. And I'm here with my girl Coco, House of Stone by Coco, that is. She's got the flyest bling on the planet, yo, she kicking down doors. In magazines, on the runway, celebrity jewelry designer, and I'm trying to put you down with games. On Facebook, House of Stone by Coco. Instagram, House of Stone by Coco. Twitter, House of Stone by Coco. Yo, it's real easy. And if you're really trying to holler at my girl, then holler at your girl, the soul writer, and I'll put you in direct contact with none other than the lady herself. Now, when you step outside, your fashion needs to be standing on a firm foundation, and it gets no firmer than the house that Coco built. Yo, check it. I'm going to show you, huh? She's going to show you what? We're going to show you how we do this, huh? What? House of Stone by Coco. It doesn't get any better than the best. <laughs> Welcome back to the Recovery Corner. I am your host, authorist Tanya Wilson. My guest panelist for this evening is author Neville Hyatt. Author Neville Hyatt is a storyteller, be it with a camera, computer, microphone, or even a pencil and the back of an old envelope, and he will create for you a world different from your own. A country boy at heart, he was born in a small town in the southeastern corner of Australia. Though he spent much time in worlds created by other authors as one he had been born into, from having speech therapy as a child 
he went on to spend a decade working in radio, which took him around the globe. His life was radically changed when he was medically retired before his 30th birthday due to a life-changing accident. Left battling depression, anxiety, and chronic nerve pain as a result of the accident, he had become even more passionate about sharing his life experiences and imagination and the hope of inspiring others in their journey. He quotes, It doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, or what's been done to you. It only matters what you do with your rainbow today. By purchasing any of his poems, short stories, or photographs, you can help Neville to continue to stay connected and give hope as well as being thoroughly entertained by his humor and creativity that he shares with you through the, those mediums. And ladies and gentlemen, I introduce to you author Neville Hyatt. Hi, well, Neville. How are you this evening? <laughs> I'm all right. That was a good round of applause. Okay. You get another round of applause now. <laughs> So, Neville, can you tell me a little bit? Now, I don't know too much about Australia. Can you tell me what it was like growing up as a child in Australia and a little bit about Australia itself? Well, in in some ways, it's not that different to America, and in some ways, it's a lot different. Um, We drive on the other side of the road, for instance. Um, But... Yeah, no, it's 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 a brilliant country. It's it's definitely one of the best in the world. It's it's a reasonable climate. We have different seasons, which is wonderful. It's not the same temperature all year round, um, but we don't have the the crazy sort of winters that North America has, and okay. it usually doesn't get as hot as it does sort of in in the south of America in the middle of summer. So we're we're kind of we've got good summers, reasonable winters, not too bad. And um, yeah, the quality of living's brilliant. So it's a, it's a really good country to call home, and and a lot of people around the world want to call it home or are trying to. So okay. So so what was your what was your childhood like? Did you always uh, write as a child? Yeah, well, I've always. That's one of the things people sort of ask me um, since I started doing my photography exhibitions and publishing books. It's like, well, when did you start? And it's like, well. As far as sharing it with a wider audience, that's only been a few years of a journey. But I've always been a photographer as far as I can remember. I've always had a camera in my hand. Obviously, as a child with a film camera now with a digital. And, and okay. I've always been writing I mean, all, all through school, um, whether it was short stories or poetry. Um, was was always sort of had that creative bent, but it was always a... Um, a personal thing. It's something I did for myself. So a lot of people didn't know about it, and certainly I didn't share about it. I didn't enter competitions. Um, there was none of that. It was just it was a hobby, pretty much, that I did for myself to keep myself entertained. Okay. So what was it that attracted you to the camera, to photography itself? 
what was it that attracted you? Did you grow up in a household that where, you know, you took a lot of pictures or? Yeah, no, there's, I'm not sure what, what the early influences might have been that attracted me to photography, but certainly now I love doing it because it, it opens the world up, not only to yourself, like certainly the last few years I've, I've been a lot more isolated in my ability to go out and, and enjoy seeing the wonderful scenery. Um, so to be able to look at my walls at home and see the photos on the walls of some of the travels I've had, it just creates those windows that you don't get to see and certainly to share that with other people and certainly online. Some of the photos of photographers I've seen from both locally and from around the world, you get to see things that you don't get to see otherwise. You don't have to go go somewhere. You don't have to I don't have to go to America to see parts of America. If a photographer's been there and taken that photograph, then I can okay. experience that. Now it's not quite the same as being there. You don't get the whole atmosphere, but you definitely get a little snapshot. Um and also as a way of recording history. Um who knows how long my photos will survive, whether it's 10 years, 100 years, 1,000 years. But looking back at some of the photographs that people have taken 100 years, 200 years ago, it's a fascinating way. You can read in a book that somebody lived a certain way, but to actually see it and visualise it is is so much more powerful to, to be able to see so much detail because you can only write so much and, and and put in so much detail into a descript into a description. Right. But you know to visualize it like a a couple of weeks ago I saw a photo of one of our main train stations in Melbourne, which is the capital city of Victoria, which is one of the states in Australia where I call home. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the most iconic corners in the city. Everyone knows where that is. But this old photograph of this old version of the train station with this really old veranda and old clocks and only a few people in the shot, whereas now there's like tens or hundreds of people if you take a shot there because there's so much traffic. So it's and and I could read that, yeah, people might have been dressed a certain way or the wooden veranda might have looked a certain way but to visualize that and see it with my own eyes. And that's something I, it's not humanly possible to do because. Unfortunately, we can't time travel. Um, so to, to, to see True. that, it's like, well, that lets me see what things were like then. And then to imagine, well, yeah, it would have been so much different to see how much things have changed. Um, so, I mean, now probably a, a, a photograph of a phone with a cord attached to it would be something today someone would look at and go, yeah. what? what's that? So it's <laughs> like, Stone yeah, ages. <laughs> yeah, you, 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 can, you can tell a kid about a cassette tape or or, or, a, right. or maybe even a CD if they're so new, they don't even know those things exist, or a record. I mean, you could explain, try and explain it to them, but to show them is is right. so much more powerful, and and that's where I love photography. Um, plus, I love playing around with it. You don't have to take just a straight photo, what your eye sees, sort of thing. There's so many things you can do in the photography world um, to interpret your own way, whether that's black and white or manipulated color or composition. So. There's, there's so many things you can do, um, and and it's 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 fun. I love doing it. Okay. Do you um do you paint also? I don't. Um, I'm thinking about maybe doing some. 
and and mm-hmm. seeing how I go. But yeah, it's I've never been a a, a massively hand-eye coordinated person in the arts world, which is why I kind of like okay. photography. It's, it's okay. something I I can do. I can use the camera as my art brush. But um, uh, yeah, I've I've never had the the discipline to actually learn the skills to get all the everything looking as it should. I can certainly paint and draw things, but things don't quite look right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, now you said you've done radio before. How how long did you do um, work in radio? Uh, about ten years all up. Um, took me around Australia for a few different radio stations and actually spent a few weeks working at a radio station in Canada, which was pretty awesome. So in the, it was a very big experience because that was in the middle of one of their coldest winters. So I was doing weather reports in, in Celsius. I can't remember what the Fahrenheit would have been, but it was like minus 10 or 20 below with a minus 30 or 40 degree Celsius wind chill factor. Uh, which in Australia you just don't hear of, so it was right. it was it was fascinating to be over there at that time. Um, but yeah, no, I, I love the format of radio and and certainly the, the ability it can have to keep someone company no matter where you are. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what, can you tell me what what's where is one is uh, what was one of the most interesting places you've been? Um. Well, work-wise for radio, definitely probably Canada has been one of them. Um, as far as other travels go, I really like Flagstaff in Arizona. Um, that, that was a town I really felt with. There was just something about the atmosphere about it that I would definitely like to go back to Flagstaff again. Flagstaff. What was it that fascinated you about Flagstaff, Arizona? Um, well, I definitely like the climate because I'd just come from, it was on the tail end of the summer and um, Phoenix was still a little bit warm overnight. Like stuff cooled down it just seemed like a really nice sort of, people were very friendly. It had sort of a bit of a tourist atmosphere about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it I mean, it seems corny to say, but it was like there was something in the air. <laughs> it was just oh, something okay. that... Oh, that doesn't sound it was corny at tangible. All. <laughs> it was there. It's like I like this place. I can't quite put my finger on why, but I just like being here. So hmm. yeah, um, so, it was a nice altitude as well, and it was a, it's one of the few uh, dark cities in America, which means that wow. at nighttime they try and minimise all the street lighting as much as possible so that you can see the stars better. Um, and they deliberately sort of engineer all the lighting so that it's it's almost dark across the whole city. So it's pretty much the opposite of Vegas. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> it's across the whole city at night, and the amount of stars and even the planets that you can see by the naked eye, it's mm. it's amazing light in in Flagstaff. Okay. So did you do a a lot of reading growing up? Yeah, spent, I mean, 100 books a year was kind of my average as a child. Wow, so. that's all right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sometimes more, sometimes less. Um, mm. Sadly, I don't read anywhere near as much these days. Um, I've gone the lazy route with movies. But, um, yeah, no, it was, was a voracious reader. So, and, and so it, who it was some of them? Excuse me. 
me. Who were some of your your favorite authors? Yeah, as a child, I read a lot of um, detective novels. Um, so the Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys series. Um, there was another one, uh, Encyclopedia Brown. He was a detective. Um, later in life, I came across um, Larry and Stretch by Marshall Grover, which was a, a Western series. Um, they were strapping six, seven foot, whatever cowboys roaming through America, shooting the bad guys, helping out those in need. So, um, so you wrote, wrote a yeah. lot of mystery novels. Yeah, yeah. If, if there was a mission to be solved and someone that could be helped, um, it was it was kind of up my alley. Mm. Okay. So um, now, when you talk about the speech therapy, what what was it about your speech that was, you know, why why did you have to have a speech therapy? Yeah, yeah. Well, it was when I was just starting school. I don't have really any memories of it. Um, although I did put a photo of it on the back cover of my short stories book. Okay. Um, no, it was just a fun thing I did. The uh, the short stories I wrote, the uh, the subtitle is for the young and young at heart. So the, the photo I put of myself on there, other than the... I mean, most authors put a current photo on their, their covers of their books to let the reader know who they are. Um, but I decided to put a childhood photo on there. Um, okay. And then when they all translated, all the translators put a photo of their... When, Roughly about the same age, so you can check them out if you um, get a copy okay. of the the backs of the, the short stories. But the speech therapy, um, from what I've been told from my family, is because I had an older sister who was a year okay. older, mm-hmm. and supposedly wherever we went together, I wasn't allowed to talk, and she did all the talking for me. Oh, so she was supposedly okay. a bossy older sister. <laughs> um, so. <laughs> That's supposedly why I ended up in speech therapy as a child, um, because I hadn't learnt how to talk because supposedly my older sister wouldn't let me. <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't so, get that much experience with talking, so you kind of, yeah, I can understand that. Yeah, so, so there um, wasn't any medical reason, they, so to speak. There wasn't any sort of accident or disease or malformation. It was just the fact that I hadn't had that, that experience. That you didn't talk. <laughs> Like that, so would you say you were quiet? Have. You were quiet, naturally quiet as a child. Yeah, yeah. So obviously, a little while in speech therapy, and they got me talking. So. <laughs> mm, wow, <laughs> that's it. Seems so funny because I was very quiet as a child, also. And when I was in um, high school, they called me down to speech class. And they was like read his paragraph. They sent me to like the speech counselor, like while it was, while I was in math class. And I think the math teacher is the one who had me sit down there because I never would talk, you know. So she was like, "Well, read this paragraph," and I read it perfectly. And she was like, "Well, there's nothing wrong with your speech." I said, "I know that." <laughs> and when I went back up to the classroom, the, the teacher was looking at me like, "Like, what's going on? Like, why is she back up here so fast?" You know, so I can totally understand that. So, because a lot yeah. of people thought I couldn't talk, just because I didn't. Now, when I was in the ninth grade, I did a lot of talking to the point where I had like teachers throwing scissors at me because <laughs> I wouldn't <laughs> shut up. <laughs> and then when I got back in high school, I was quiet again. That was like the ninth grade. For some reason, I don't know why I talked 
so much, you know, that I got in trouble <laughs> for it. So then I just was like, okay, well, let me just keep my mouth shut, <laughs> you know. So um, can you tell me, uh, now you said you were, that your life was changed because you went, uh, was a world in a life-changing accident? Yeah, I was traveling between jobs back in 2008, so seven years ago now. Um, but traveling between jobs, riding my motorbike down the highway, multi-lane highway and peak hour traffic, and a car in the lane next to me decided to change lanes and come into my lane without looking that I was there and wow. pretty much sent me something. So I was sliding across the, the lanes of the highway. I was going down the, the, the luge and um, eventually came to a rest and realised that the cars behind me must have stopped because they hadn't run over me, thankfully. So I just yeah. stayed there, waited for the ambulance and the and the police to arrive and they took me off to the hospital and, yeah. Um, wow. Since, since then, it's been a an interesting journey of, of recovery and dealing with all the the resulting injuries and all the resulting emotional and and mental Mm -hmm. issues because of a physical issue. So, Mm -hmm. and, and yeah, radically changed my life at at that point in time. I was working three jobs, seven days Mm. a week, three nights a week. Um, I was loving it. Don't get me wrong. It was, it was what I was choosing to do. Um, so, I mean, some people say, well, that sounds a bit crazy. You were working too much. It's like, no, I was actually well, loving what I was doing. Yeah. Uh, if you love what you're you, doing, you know, it's different, you know, than if you're working three jobs that you hate. From, yeah, from that level of activity to almost mm-hmm. nothing. Um, yeah. Even now, seven years later, um, doing this, I'm laying down on my right-hand side because mm-hmm. to be on my left-hand side or to sit, uh, the nerves in the back of my mm-hmm. legs so active and awake and alert and sensitive it's just right. too painful to to sit in a chair like a someone would take for granted anyone right. sitting in an office moment at work just mm. takes that for granted i can't do that yeah. anymore unfortunately so wow. so i can i can totally understand as far as you know the depression like not working you know cuz that that's a big life change like to go from working as much as you were to not working at all, that's that's enough to make anybody depressed. Yeah, and you it's know. been really hard. I want to. It's not like I'm I'm a, a bludgeon yeah. who wants to sit on welfare and and do nothing with their life because that's easy and comfortable. Yeah. I want to help people so much around my own community mm-hmm. here locally as well as globally that mm-hmm. I want to be that person working those three jobs, earning the big dollars to be able to mm-hmm. help people out. So to be, be stuck at home most days um, mm-hmm. and struggle to get out is is mm-hmm. is something that's a continual challenge, um, but certainly something that writing the books and, and taking more photos has certainly helped with. Right, right. So now, now far as the anxiety goes, where did the what what made you become anxious or cuz I, I i myself i have um anxiety disorder myself yeah well and part I go of that therapy for that so yeah 
I mean, part of that's really easily explainable with the um, part of it's sort of physical anxiety, mm-hmm. as in with the nerve pain, because the nerves are so, because of the nerves mm. being what nerves are, it's really easy to get nervous, sort of anxious in that yeah. regard. Um, so your body's sort of always on edge. It's like electricity's flowing through your body. Wow. So it's hard to sit um, mm. and, and be calm and relaxed because you're so tense. So part of the anxiety is sort of from that. And then the other part okay. is the uncertainty of life because if you're earning a wage and you've got a job, there's that security. Mm-hmm. I mean, your job yeah. tomorrow, but if physical ability to do a job, you can get another one. So there's sort of that security and safety around that, whereas if you don't have that, mm-hmm. it can create. I mean, it doesn't be, it doesn't mean it has to, and it certainly is is worse or better at various times. Um, and certainly treatment helps, and the less you focus on it, and the more you've got other positive things to look forward to, the less mm-hmm. you notice it. Um, but yeah, I do acknowledge that it is there and does play a role. That yeah, while all that uncertainty and instability is there, mm. you're anxious about things. Bills have to be totally. paid, but maybe yeah. head, food, body clothes on your back, sort of thing. Um, yeah, totally understandable. So, are you being treated for for depression and anxiety? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I've got a good support team. Um, great. It's, it's definitely great, one great. of those things. Um, you were asking at the start what it was like growing up in Australia. Um, I don't know too much about America, although I know still being a male would be different than a female in regards to what you're bred, what's bred into you as far as asking for help and how socially acceptable right. that is. Right. But certainly as an Aussie male, it's like, she'll be right, mate, is the common saying, as in, it'll be okay, as in, I don't need help. It's right. not as big as I think it is, and unfortunately, that's why so many. That's why certainly the the youth suicide rate and certainly the male um, suicide rate in Australia is so high um, because mm. they don't ask for help, they don't get assistance, and sadly, too many of them at some point find the breaking point and snap. Um, right. So yeah, it is. It is. It is changing and has changed over the the, the last few generations. But right. it it is still sort of the thing as as an Aussie male, it's like yeah, you, you you're built tough, you're going to survive. Doesn't matter what happens, yeah. and yes, I will. But sometimes you need a, a hand of a professional nature because friends right. and family can only do so much. That's true. That's um, true. And and certainly it can. I've known from experience, certainly post accident. Um, depending on where I've lived, I've gone through a few counsellors, psychologists, um, and some work better than others. That doesn't mean their training's better or their ideas don't work. It just means mm-hmm. people fit with other people sometimes better than others. So mm-hmm. certainly for anyone listening today, if you've tried it before and it hasn't worked for you, try somebody else and it may work. Mm-hmm. Um, so I definitely say don't give up if if, if you've been to a therapist or a counsellor or a psychologist and nothing's happened for you, um, maybe it just wasn't the right fit, the right person. Yeah, so. yeah well, that's true. You have to find the right, you know, excuse me, with anything else. So, <coughs> excuse me, I have a little cold. So, um, can you tell me who who were your role models when you were growing up? Oh. Role models. 
That, that's a tricky one to answer. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think back. Um, probably Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, possibly. I mean, I did spend that long reading that it was probably the characters I was reading about, if I'm honest. Okay. So who um, are your role models now? Who are my role models now? Um, myself. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't, I've never really, I suppose, sort of looked at people as in like, yeah, they're awesome. They're my role model sort of thing. Because I think like once you actually get to know someone, I mean, in a sense, I perceive role models as sort of like, you don't know everything about them. You're sort of thinking they're awesome and they're all this, but, they're not because they're real and they've got issues as well. Um, I certainly love reading like autobiographies and biographies of people who've had a life and, 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 and lived it and done things and had experiences because you can get so much out of them. So my bookshelf is quite full of, of quite a few various stories of people who've had struggles, had issues, been gone the wrong way, found a, a better way to live. Um, so I, I think I've just collated from so many. There's there's none that I can actually think of to, that sort of stand out. I just garner little things from, from lots of people. Okay. So can you tell me, do you think that by this, um, you being in an accident and not being able to work, did that kind of like make you more creative in your work? Um, it, it definitely hasn't made me more creative um, and I do struggle at times to be creative at all because of the, the pain mm-hmm. side affecting the rest of me and, and making me sort of confused and hard to concentrate and I don't mm-hmm. get great sleep so the brain is, is foggy is probably one of the best words um, a lot of the time, so I find it really hard to create in those moments because I'm not alert, I'm not awake and switched on. Um, certainly with writing, that makes it really hard. Um, yeah. Taking the photos and editing them isn't as hard, it's still difficult, but yeah, certainly with the writing, it's really difficult. But it has made me create and be more creative in a forced sense because I need to do something. Mm-hmm. Um, and it pretty much came to the crunch uh, a few years ago, um, I'd got to a point with the last psychologist where I was able to go it on my own for a while. I'd got to a stage where I could self-manage and self-medicate everything and we were going along pretty good and then things started to un- unravel again, sort of things being in limbo and going nowhere. Um, and I was standing in front of the, the cupboard one day looking at the food but not really seeing anything, just standing there blankly envisioning hanging myself in the backyard and I'm like well I kind of really don't want to do that but if I'm actually thinking say seriously about doing it I probably mm. should go see a psychologist yeah. again um oh, yeah. definitely because I need help um and that was kind of the, the turning point a with getting treatment again um mm-hmm. but b with all all this artwork and the books because in chatting to her um, that was part of the discussion. She's like, well, it's it's easy to see that you can't be working. Like, we're going to acknowledge that up front, but you need to be doing something. There's got to be something right, right. that we can be doing 
that's a creative outlet that's going to give you some purpose, some forward mm-hmm. momentum that you can do in your own time, in your own schedule, without anyone else's input, that, that right. makes you feel like you're doing something. And and that's ultimately how the um the, the, the books and, and the exhibition started happening because it's like, well, this is a hobby that I have. Let's right. let's put some more effort into this and um and see what happens. So there's this that's pretty much been the, the main focus around all the doctors and medical staff and lawyers. Um that that's been sort of the, the focus that's kept me going um over the last few years. So can like okay now you have a website. Can you tell um, the listening audience on um, what your website is and how they can yep. get to your website? Where they yep. can you? And another thing also, can you purchase all of your books and your you know works of art on your website from your website? Yeah, yeah, everything's available from the website, which is nevillehyatt.com. That's N E V. I L L E H I A T so nevillehyatt.com um it's all available from there um just just click on the web store link um there's various mm-hmm. links on there for for various things cuz I've been doing so much but yeah follow through to the web store and you can buy the the books or the the photographs mm-hmm. um t-shirts coffee mugs whatever um it's all up there. We did just start an eBay store in case someone just wants to, to go to eBay. Oh, okay. The books are available on Amazon as well. Okay, um, Amazon. Pretty much if you um you you throw my name into Google and if you can't find me oh. then you Google broken. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah. Well I have the the uh your website posted on the event page. So, you know, and yeah. also now tell me about this newest book that you you know, just did a launch on a new book called 52? Yeah, yeah. It's um, literally brand new, um, and pretty much the launch date was pretty much organised by this radio show because once you called me and, and and said you wanted to interview me, it's like, well, I've got the book coming up. I haven't officially got a launch date yet, so let's make it for the 25th. Oh, well, hey. <laughs> uh, so, which ends up being the 26th here because we're a few hours right. ahead. But yeah, yesterday was the 26th. Yeah, you're more so. than a few hours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're on a whole other day over there. Yep. So it's Monday um, morning uh, over there, right? Yep, 10 o'clock Monday morning, heading towards okay. 11 o'clock. So wow. yeah, 52 is the, um, <laughs> the newest one. The first two books I came out with were The Bard from Ballarat, Volume 1 and Volume 2, which are beautifully... They're pretty much coffee table books. They've got a double page spread with a photograph, full page mm-hmm. photograph on one page, and a poem on the other. So, okay. um, this one is... Do you have a... Let me think. Uh, tell, can you tell the listening audience, like, what your... Um, like, your so, what is all your social media that you're on? Like, Twitter, which your Twitter handle, and yep. your Instagram... Yeah, on on for for the poetry, I've pretty much got one for the poetry, one for the short stories, and one for the okay. photography. So, if you want to check them all out, you can check them all out. If you just like poetry, you don't have to get hit up with all the other info. But the poetry is the Bard from Ballarat, um, and I think that links in the the event page on Facebook too. Um, the Bard okay. from Ballarat, 
which is the same on Twitter, except they don't let me have a, that many characters, so it's just the Bard from Bell, B-A-L-L. Um, and the short stories are called Some Shorter Than Others. Um, that's a really easy one to remember. That's on Facebook. Um, okay. And that one's actually just being translated now into Italian. It's already been translated in the last year after being launched into Spanish, German, and Portuguese. So if you know anyone that speaks Spanish, German, or Portuguese, they mm-hmm. can get that one um, And Italian's on the way. And the photos are a name I came up with way back in high school. I didn't know what I was going to do with it, but I came up with Enchanting Times. Mm-hmm. It just sounded really old school and Shakespearean, and I loved it. So yeah. Enchanting <laughs> is the the Facebook page and the Instagram. Um, so yeah, check them all out. But I'll try and I'll try and throw all those links into the um, event page after the show if anyone um, quite doesn't understand my accent and, and wants to <laughs> check. I'll make sure I'll post your 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 Instagram and everything on you know on the uh, Facebook of that page after. You know, after we finish the show, I'll make sure I post all that stuff on the event page. But I do have your website on the event page where people can, you know, go and purchase, you know, all your works of art, your books. I've seen coffee mugs, T-shirts. Yeah, and, and I mean, Christmas like is only two months away, so... Right, you know, exactly. An, <laughs> an artist and an author before Christmas... Um, and even if you you want me to send someone something direct to double save on the shipping so that you don't have to reship it, I mean, I, I'm happy to send it to someone direct for you if it's a Christmas gift for someone. Um, but, um, yeah, no, the, the new book's 52. Um, mm-hmm. I can't remember exactly how I came up with the title, but I sort of thought, well, 52 weeks in the year, 52 poems, let's make it 52. Um, and it had been just over a year, roughly, that I'd since I'd released a, a poetry book. So okay. I thought, thinking. So there's 52 poems in it. The um, Just reading off the, the back cover, 52 contains 52-ish, previously unreleased-ish, poems written over the last 52-ish weeks. So okay. some of them in there, like there was at least one that I put in an e-book before, but it hadn't been in paperback. Um, there's at least one in there that's been published in an anthology in America before, but I hadn't published it before. So, um, but yeah, a lot of new works as well um, that haven't seen the light of day because I'm not one of these. I don't post a lot of them on Facebook because mm-hmm. you can't sort of send them to a publisher or enter them into competition because that's technically published if it's been online, even if it hasn't been in a book. So. Most of mine I've just thought by, and, and I sort of hadn't realised I'd written that many over the last year. Um, I'd been so busy focused on the short stories and getting them translated and all the um, photography exhibitions that I'd, I'd just been sort of writing poetry here and there and collated them all together. And I'm like, well, there's enough there for a book, so yeah. let's put them all together. <laughs> put it together. Yeah, okay, that's great. Can, um, do you have a poem avail- readily available to read to um, recite to us? Well, I've got 52. Which one would you like? Yeah, I know you. <laughs> hey, take your pick. <laughs> you have 52, so. <laughs> well, I'll pick um, this one because I, I love the story behind it. It was actually inspired mm-hmm. by an American poet who may be listening oh. in. If she is, hello, Jacqueline. 
Um, she wrote a six-word story called She Fell Asleep on Australian Time. Wow. And it straight away struck a chord with me that within those six words, there was so much more of a story that had to be told. Um, and it was one of the ones I read at the launch yesterday at the library. It's like, well, who was she? And why was she falling asleep on Australian time? And where was she? So right. I sort of it mulled around in my head for a few days before I got it down on pen and paper. And this is She Fell Asleep on Australian Time. Okay. She fell asleep on Australian time, a baby in her arms, a ring on her finger, neither were there last week. She fell asleep on Australian time, her only child 10,000 miles away, her knees more worn than ever before, their lives forever altered. She fell asleep on Australian time, dreaming of a land she'd never been, praying for his safe return, stroking his head, telling him he is loved. She fell asleep on Australian time, the letter well worn from being read, the first rays now lighting her bed. Entrusting him to someone else's care, the cover of her Bible now worn bare. So I got all that out of those six words. Wow. That was great. That was great. So um, we're going to go um, to a commercial break, and when we come back, we're going to talk a, a little bit more about you know some of your other books. Fabulous. Sounds good. Okay. So right in the building, House of Stone by Coco. I'm going to show you. She's going to show you. We're going to show you how we do this, huh? What? Yo, this bling be the illest. Coco House of Stone got a feeling. Step up in the room. Royal like a queen. Rockin' House of Stone, girl, you know you reign supreme. Red carpet jewels, finest of quality. Necklace so reckless. I know you seen the rosary designer for celebrity. Pieces on the runway. Tracy Lynn was so back when you gotta grow up someday. Big girl accessories, always on fleek. Not the average, but the baddest chick. The ones who like to be unique. We don't follow the crowd. We set the trends. Other fashions bow down. House of Stone will never be. My bad, with this commercial interrupt, I'm just trying to be your friend, help you step your game up. When you put on House of Stone, get ready for your close-up. Trendsetters, go get his ladies in the know. House of Stone stands alone, I just thought I'd let you know. I think I said too much, you need to catch your breath, nobody does it better. Yo, House of Stone is the best, this is the soul writer. And I'm here with my girl Coco, House of Stone by Coco, that is. She's got the flyest bling on the planet, yo, she kicking down doors. In magazines, on the runway, celebrity jewelry designer, and I'm trying to put you down with game. On Facebook, House of Stone by Coco. Instagram, House of Stone by Coco. Twitter, House of Stone by Coco. Yo, it's real easy. And if you're really trying to holler at my girl, then holler at your girl, the soul writer, and I'll put you in direct contact with none other than the lady herself. Now, when you step outside, your fashion needs to be standing on a firm foundation, and it gets no firmer than the house that Coco built. Yo, check it. I'm going to show you, huh? She's going to show you what? We're going to show you how we do this, huh? What? House of Stone by Coco. It doesn't get any better than the best. <laughs> Welcome back to the Recovery Corner. I'm your host. Author is Tanya Wilson. I'm here with author Neville Hyatt. 
Now, um, now, well, can you tell me what what is the name of the first book that you ever wrote? Um, the first one I came out with was The Bard from Ballarat, Volume 1, which was simultaneously okay. launched at the same time as Volume 2. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so then we combined them together for the... Um, the Bard from Ballarat International Edition, um, because the, the the first two they're they're, they're beautifully printed by a, a local printer. They came up really nice, um, but we combined them together and did one in the states as the international edition at a slightly cheaper price point in case someone wanted to buy them both um, and didn't want one of the limited edition hand numbered um, original copies. So, and then yeah, it's been pretty much since then until now between um, the, the poetry collections. So what was your aspiration for writing your, your first book, The Bard of Ballarat? The, the inspiration was, as I said earlier, I didn't want to hang myself in the backyard. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, it, it's, I mean, some people may hear that and go, well, did he really want to? And it's like, well, yeah, I did. And I can mm. say it sort of flippantly now, and certainly if someone's listening and, and they're in that sort of situation, please get help. Um, yes, yes, but, yes. Yeah, it's well, um, definitely. I mean, the, the inspiration behind the individual poems behind it, um, where as I said earlier, it, it, it was up to that point a hobby. So mm-hmm. we'd written poems about love, we'd written poems about life, we'd written poems about this, that, and everything else. Um, whatever in life inspired me to write a poem, I wrote a poem about it. Um, and it was a matter at that stage of then, yeah, picking out certain ones to, to go in the book and, and the, the photos to go with them, which was an interesting journey as to which photos. Some of them I, I had the poem and I needed the photo to go with. Some of them I had a photo that I wrote a poem about. So it was an interesting wow. exercise in the artistic as to collating those two together to get the visual to match up with the words. So do you um, go to, like, bookstores and do book book readings or do you do any um, motivational speaking? I would really love to do a lot more of that. Um, if my health would settle down enough to enable me, I would love to get out more because the launch yesterday, um, it was such a an intimate um, launch. There was so much feedback with those that were there and... and discussion during it it wasn't sort of just this person's up the front talking and everyone's sitting just listening it was so interactive it was wonderful um and i left there feeling like i would love to be doing more of this so yeah we've definitely done some book signings in stores and libraries and um would love to do more um it's it's a matter of balancing it with the health which is the, the continual right, battle right. um yeah. but yeah would would love to do more of that okay so how how did um Now, the next question I have for you was, what advice would you have for someone that's going through, a, like, a life change like, like you went through? What advice would you have for them if they're, you know, going through, you know, depression, anxiety, and stuff like that? What advice would you have for someone that's going through the same thing? Yeah, um, well, definitely the number one thing would be don't do it alone. 
Um, so whether that's friends, whether that's family, whether that's professionals, ideally a combination of all of them because no one person or no one service mm-hmm. can be there for you 24-7 sort of thing. So the way I look at it is um, many strings to a bow, so like a bow and archery set. It's like the, the, the bow works because there's so many strings on there making it strong. So the more people and resources you can access, mm-hmm. the better your recovery or the better your journey is going to be. So definitely recommend that. Um, and certainly find something you can do, find something you're passionate about. So no matter how your life's changed, your circumstances are different, we can acknowledge that, but you need to find something that you can do within that new life you're living that will enable you to do something um, because you have to do something in life. You can't just do nothing. There's got to be something, there's got to be a reason to get out of bed in the morning. Um, and certainly, definitely helping others. It's it's amazing how much of a perspective change you can have from looking at your own troubles in your own life, in your own world, if you're helping somebody else go through whatever they're going through. Um, it's it's a massive mental shift to be able to help someone else go through whatever they're going through, and it doesn't make yours any different. It just changes your focus. Right. Yeah, and it's a, changes your perspective on life itself. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's amazing how much different that change in focus can affect your circumstances and how you see things. So that, that's, that's definitely a, a big thing. Help help someone else, whether that's mm-hmm. a, a one-on-one or whether it's a group setting. Join a join a, a, a group. Um, they, they have some groups here. I don't know if there's any over there. There's probably similar. Um, certainly for, for mental health and depression and anxiety, they're set up similar to AA for recovering alcoholics, but it's for okay. people dealing with health issues so it's a self-help group it's all self-contained mm-hmm. there's no professionals there it's a confidentiality thing of the group mm-hmm. but yeah. even in that sharing and it's all on a structured sort of um, basis but even that sharing of listening to someone else what they're going through how they've got through it or how they're getting through mm-hmm. it um, is, is so beneficial um, to, to not only realise you're not the only one in the world struggling exactly. there's other people with other things and even though their situation and circumstance might be different you'd be surprised how the the end result can be the same of what you're feeling or what you're thinking mm-hmm. and yeah helping someone else it's it's massive i couldn't recommend it enough all right now can you please like express to people a lot of people are afraid to ask for help like you were telling me before, you know, a lot of people are afraid to ask for help. You know, they feel ashamed or, you know, I talk a lot about that, you know, on my show about, you know, mental health issues. And, you know, because I do mostly my the people that I interview are in recovery from drugs or alcohol or both. And some people are actually afraid to ask for help. Well, I you think know, that's the best. Just do it. It's a it's a yeah, somewhat simplistic yeah. way to answer it, but just suck it up and do it. 
it's there's nothing to be afraid of. I mean, you can talk yourself out of it for weeks, months, years if oh, you yeah. choose to. <laughs> Or yeah. you can just do it and start reaping the benefits and weeks, months, like years that. down the track wonder what the hell was I thinking in the first place because I'm so much better now. It was so worthwhile doing it. That's true, that's true. And um, so can you tell me what what um are some of your short-term goals and what are some of your long-term goals? Well... Short term, get the Italian translation done, hopefully before Christmas. Uh, get 52 into some stores now that it's available. Um, short term, uh, we don't have any more photography exhibitions coming up this year, but yeah, certainly planning some for next year. Um Next year, I want to come out with the follow-up to some shorter than others, which will be some longer than others. Um, still more. <laughs> okay. Same title. Um, so, yeah, that's that's the plan for next year, um, 2016. 2017, I hope to come out with another poetry collection. So that's okay. sort of the sort of long-term goals, and, and you need those goals. I mean, that's another thing you've... Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> need to do. You need... You need the short-term goals and the long-term goals. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, certainly in the in the artistic um, sense. And yeah, I did have a a series in a exhibition here uh, called mm-hmm. Journeys, um, and I've already planned out and want to shoot a follow-up series called Journeys Two. So that's a, a whole body of work that I have to photograph mm-hmm. at some stage. Um, so that's that's a plan in the photo world. Um, and health-wise, I mean, just try and do the right and healthy thing, which is always a continual thing. Eat right, sleep right, um, exercise, which is a difficulty when you've got physical mm-hmm. things. So right, you need right. to do these to keep going. So um, try and see me doctors when I need to see them, see all the other allied health professionals when I need to see them. Keep those appointments. Um, and and do the self care because if you can't take care of yourself, you can't take care of anyone else. So that's so uh, true. Oh boy. <laughs> and yeah, hopefully the we'll get some more um, reviews. Like with me work getting out there more, get some more reviews online, so more people can mm-hmm. find it and know about it. And hopefully that word of mouth starts working more. Um, I've got a good sort of loyal small follower base, but obviously mm-hmm. every artist. Wants get that base expanded and expanded and expanded to the global stage so that mm-hmm. you can start going to the the bigger book launches and the bigger events and bigger book signings. Okay, hey, great. So that's a bit of security and B, so you can share your story with more people. Um, that's true. So, I mean, it's, yeah, so that that's sort of more the, long, the long-term goals is, is to get more well-known, not for the sake of being well-known, but for the sake of being able to share my story and hopefully encourage others to share theirs and and keep going. Hmm. So is there anyone out there, you know, that you would like to give special thanks to, you know, like for supporting you, you know, through your, you know, trials and through your, you know, your as far as, you know, like helping you, you know, with your books, and you know, getting your books published and stuff like that. Shout out, Tom. So, anybody out there that you want to say thank you to, 
Oh, my brain's spinning. Um, I I think just a general shout-out to anyone who's interviewed me, anyone who's connected with me online, anyone who's encouraged me, anyone who's given me some feedback or a review. Yeah, if I started naming names, I'd miss so many. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, I mean, if you've given me a review, thank you. If if you've given me some feedback, positive or negative like it all helps so um just bring it on and certainly if if you know another author and you know they've produced some work jump on their website or jump on the amazon page or wherever they have their work and leave a review because it's those things that make somebody else who doesn't know them read it and go oh maybe i'll read that maybe i'll check that out so because until you're a big name by a big publishing company you don't have the big dollars behind you to do the advertising, and it's the reviews that make the difference between somebody not knowing you exist in the in the written word versus somebody who might find you and go, oh, I might read this because someone else says they're not too bad. So, right, exactly. So, yeah, if, if you know so that, 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 and, yeah, review me, it. that is very important, like, far as reviews. And I can tell, like, anybody that's read my book, The Time Is Now, please go to Amazon and write a review on Amazon if you wrote, if you have read my book, The Time Is Now. So reviews are very important. Yeah, so they make all the difference, not only in sales, um, mm-hmm. which at the end of the day, if I didn't sell another book, I'd still write, but I certainly right, wouldn't go right. to the end of publishing them and promoting them and doing all, because that is a lot of work. So yeah. as an artist, I'll still take photos and I'll still write things. It's just the world won't get to see them. Right. Yeah, so that's because that's your passion, you know. When you have a passion, yeah. it doesn't matter, you know, but it does help, you know, to have, you know, someone to write a review that if they really, you know, really like the book. Just go to Amazon and write a review. I know it, it requires you to register because some people don't want to take the time to register, yeah. you know, to, to do the review. To write the review because yeah. you do have to register, but it only takes what five minutes, if yeah. that much time. But it doesn't take a lot of time to do. So, please, anyone out there, you know, please make sure you go to Amazon and write those reviews or whatever you know website, you know, book site that you go to to purchase that person's book. If you've read their book, you know, please go and write a review for that, you know, for that particular book yeah i mean the most recent feedback i got on the um the short stories is from someone and it's among all the collections of short stories on this site yours was the one that stood out to me i feel Mm -hmm. the sense of childlike wonder you seem to aim for is something greatly needed in a society that's heading more and more towards cynicism like ours Mm. and it's when you get feedback you like that you're like well that's great i know there's an audience there Right. I thought there was when I wrote it. I thought I was when I published it. I thought mm-hmm. there'd be other people similar to me that want to read these kind of stories. And when you get mm-hmm. that feedback, well, oh, yeah, okay, this is this is the yeah. path I'm traveling, and and it's the right path. So, well, that's you know that's like a inspiration, you know, to do you know more, you know, because you don't know who, you know, your your story might touch somebody in a certain way, you know, in a special way, you know what I'm saying? And you don't know until you get the feedback. 
So feedback yeah, well, is good, you know. Yeah, well, one of the love stories in the um, in the short stories, I had the feedback from uh, someone in LA. It reminded him of his grandparents, mm. and it's like that's what, as an author, you love to hear. It's like, yeah, someone connected with yeah. it on a personal level, and it reminded them think of their grandparents. So there you go. And, and you know, that's what. Well, you know, like that. That's what we aim for. You know, so that. Hopefully that it will touch somebody in a in a certain way, you know, that they get, you know, that it will help them in, in, in you know, in a certain way, you know. Yeah. Would you like one of the um, the short stories, Tonya? I've got a really short one. Sure. That would yep. be great. So this, one, this one's called Sammy, and it's the... According to the contents page, it's the shortest one in the book. There is one right up the back hiding, but this one's called Sammy. Great. Sammy had the coolest shell of any turtle on the beach. Every night as he slept, the crabs would paint a new design on his shell. Each morning, he'd look into the crystal clear water and see his reflection and smile. Sammy loved lazy days on the beach, swimming in the ocean with his friend Bob the Squid and Sally the Octopus. From sunrise to sunset, they would play games in the water. Sammy's favourite time, though, was burrowing into the sand at night, knowing tomorrow he'd wake up with a brand new paint job on his shell. And that's a hundred-word story, which I wrote as a challenge to... to, There's quite a few hundred-word story challenges online, but it sort of shows that you can write a story in a hundred words. It doesn't have to be 10,000, 100,000 words. And the the okay, double that's or okay. that's great story. Great story. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> the doubly awesome story with that one is that in each of the translations, they were able to translate it in a hundred words. Um, mm-hmm. Took a little bit of creativity for uh, to get the sort of the word count perfect, but it also shows that. Even if you don't speak English, if you speak German, Spanish, Portuguese, or Italian, you can write a mm-hmm. hundred-word story. So, which is yeah. part of the story of the stories that I like to share mm. when sharing about the book. Right. So, can you um, tell me something about Neville Hyatt that that no one knows? Can you share something about yourself that no that that no one knows? That no one knows. I own a Remington shaver. Uh, <laughs> 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 Sorry, it's just, it sits next to my bedside table. It's, it's the first thing I could see. Um, that nobody else knows. I don't think there's too many people that don't know something about me. So there's not too much in my life that. Absolutely nobody knows. I think that's possibly one because I bought it recently and I don't think anyone other than the checkout lady at the store that sold it. <laughs> oh, to. yeah, why well, she knows. <laughs> she knows, but, yeah. She didn't okay. ask keeping it. I could have been okay. buying it for a friend. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> See, because even if I told you I wear odd socks... Uh, Quite a few people know that, so... Okay. 
Um, just a faint, quirky thing to do. It's like I don't care whether there's odd socks or not. I just wear whatever I want to wear. Right, that's One, right. You can because you know you can do that. Yeah. Mat socks. Yeah. One's got Iron Man <laughs> on it, and one's got Bart Simpson on it. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> so, can you tell you know the listening audience once again um, with your social media? Um, how they can reach you on social media. Yep, yep. So if you want to follow my poetry career, The Bard from Ballarat, and that's Bard as in the old Shakespearean term, B-A-R-D. Um, so The Bard from Ballarat. Um, Ballarat's my hometown where I currently live, so that's how we came up with that title. Um, so that's on Facebook and also on Twitter. you okay. just got to cut down the Ballarat to B-A-L-L. Um, for Twitter on the short stories some shorter than others we're just on Facebook so check us out um, although you can check us out on YouTube too if you go I oh, think, okay you're on YouTube okay yeah um, I can't quite remember what the, the handle is on there but if you search some shorter I'll than others <laughs> I've made some little little video clips a little preview so someone can sort of get the essence of, of what the stories are about um, and certainly on YouTube, there's quite a few, and I will be putting up, as I am able to edit them, some of mm-hmm. the videos from yesterday's launch, um, but from previous okay. readings. Great. Um, so check out The Bard from Ballarat on on, on YouTube um, if you want to check out some of the, the previous poetry work that I've done and, and been to other events and some other poets on my channel as well from, from mm-hmm. events I've been and been able to video them, so you'll some taste of other Aussie poets, not just myself, if okay. you're um, and um, yeah, if you want to check out some of my photos, check out Australia and even some mm-hmm. from some on there from Canada and America as well, so, and okay. that's uh, Times Photography so, so that's pretty oh, much okay, how you great. Can, uh, the I'll website be posting is, all that on the, on, on the Facebook event page you know, and I'll make sure I find the YouTube site, so um, I'm going to get ready to wrap up my show, and I always end my show with the serenity prayer. And it goes, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, Enjoying one moment at a time. Accepting hardships as the pathway to peace. Taking, as he did, the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it. Trusting that he will make all things right if I surrender to his will. That I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with him forever and the next, amen. And I just want to say thank you so much for sharing your story with us here on the Recovery Corner Blog Talk Radio Show. Thank you. And we're going to say, yes, thank you so much. It's such an honor and a pleasure having you on the show. And we're going to say on three, good night to everyone. One, two, three. Good night, everyone. And thank you for joining us on the Recovery Corner Blog Talk 
radio show. Good night, Neville. Good night, Tanya. Good night. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.